Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Miracle Larry podcast. I'm Jack Cush, joined by best friend Larry Kelly. Larry, how are you? Good, Jack. How are you? Superb. I want, Larry, I want to introduce you to another great friend of mine, Dr. Len Calabrese from the Cleveland Clinic. Len's a professor of medicine and immunology and all things amazing. He is at the crossroads of immunology, rheumatology, infectious disease, and he's a humanist on top of all that. Uh, he's a leader in our field. He's a leader in other fields. Um, but best of all, he's just this dynamic, great friend. And Lenny, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Oh, man, it's my privilege. And, uh, and, yeah, thank you for being here, Len. So, Larry, why don't you give Lenny a, a, a one-minute version of what he needs to know about you? Um. Wow. Oh, I, one minute. <laughs> yeah. I, Len, I, I, I don't know how much you know of my story, but uh, I'm a uh, early uh, COVID patient and a, a survivor, and I, uh, um, I, I had it pretty severely, um, and uh, hence the, um, the the moniker Miracle Larry. I happened to open my eyes from the coma on Easter Sunday, and so the. Uh, the New York Times uh, sort of ran with that, and um, that's that's been my alter ego ever since. And uh, but and I'm thrilled that you're here because I, you know, um, you, you you are dealing with this this new this new symptom called long COVID um, that must be incredibly baffling and difficult to uh, to first. My first question to you is, a patient comes in, what what are you looking for to even determine that they have long COVID? You know? Well, Larry, that, first of all, it, I, you know, I'm, I'm flattered to be here. And and I'm, I'm glad to, if, that you asked this question. And, you know, this could take a minute or a year. So I'll give you the minutes version. Um, <laughs> You know, let me, let me back up and go up to, like I, I like to say, 30,000 feet. You know, what makes this interesting and challenging and intriguing and baffling is that, you know, this is the second time in my career that I've been confronted by total unknown. And the first time was in the early 80s when... You know, guys were developing pneumonia and Kaposi sarcoma, and we didn't know if it was animal or vegetable or mineral. And I still have a HIV clinic once a week. And I've been doing it since the very beginning. And I always said that that changed my life. I was yeah. in theater. I was in theater at the time, and uh, oh, very well. big part, very big part of my community. So now here we are. 40 years later, 50 years later, 40 years later, sorry, and a new disease arrives on the planet that we all have something to do with it. You know, we've either had it or we know somebody's had it or we know somebody's died or we know this, that, or the other thing. And there happens to be a complication from this uh, called long COVID, which is basically you know, a clinical constellation of findings that range from very mild. It sounds like 
what we all have. We're tired, we're achy, we can't sleep, or have, you know, the, the daily rhythm of life. The people that are totally incapacitated and disabled. And, you know, unless you see the whole spectrum of it, you don't appreciate that. And uh, so what we're looking for in people is that, you know, if you've had COVID, what has transpired since that time, particularly since the early onset of the disease, you have new symptoms. And um, we're now just developing classification criteria that allow us to separate those that have it and those that don't. But we're a long way from making this, you know, a codified disease. But uh, fatigue... Uh, something called post-exertional malaise, which rheumatologists aren't very good about talking to. Do, do the things that you used to do, you know, get up and go out for the day and go shopping or take a walk, does that lay you low for an hour or a day or a week? Is your sleep disturbed? you have breathlessness? Do you have tachycardia, help, help, heart palpitations? All of this... Uh, is within the umbrella of long COVID. And I happened to be at a meeting with the leading scientists in the world on this, which is held at Santa Fe. This is called the Keystone Conference and many physician scientists are well familiar with these. This is the highest science that we have in a disease. <clears throat> and I was listening to stuff, you know, for the next three days um, as a blind man on the elephant. You know, I know my part these guys know their part, but we're just starting to talk to each other. So that's 30,000 feet, and um, it's something that, that we need to be knowledgeable in and be able to cope with. So, Lenny, in your you know, strong background in infectious disease and dealing with outbreaks of disease, starting with HIV and ending most recently with SARS-CoV-2, um, have you seen something else that resembles this? Or can you also maybe say... Uh, are is long COVID the result of a public health assault, much like we saw with 9-11 or Gulf War syndrome or, and those yeah. things could be mental as much as they can be immunologic and, and physical. So is there a template for this? Two things. You're really getting at it right now. Number one, as you, as you know, I have, also, one of my side gigs for the past 30 years are seeing patients with uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, or we call MECFS. Mm -hmm. And I've written a lot of papers on this, and no one ever paid attention to it because it was a marginalized topic and a marginalized disease. And if you had it, nobody wants to see you. And um, I've always been impressed with this. So to answer the question, number one, no, patients that have this constellation of findings are not new. Uh, and this is this is what we call post-infectious sequelae. We've seen it from every infections at Epstein-Barr, which is ubiquitous, to um, uh, other forms of uh, parasitic and bacterial and viral infections. And, and when we say MECFS, those are people that have it the worst that is disabling. In my mind, it's almost an incurable condition. I, I've, I've never seen anyone totally walk away with this, even after decades. 
let me, let me, let me, okay. the milder form of this, um, that is, um, that I think it is reversible. And fortunately for most people, it's the majority of people. And it's very similar to conditions like you have described, you know, a, a swatch of people enduring great stress and environmental changes like Gulf War illness. Patients with fibromyalgia, profound similarities between fibromyalgia and long COVID. But those patients are not at the worst end of the spectrum. Um, and, you know, trying to know where you draw the line, how you define it, what classification criteria can separate this out. Are there biomarkers to do, to, to test for this? The answer is no at the present time. Um, this is where it's starting to get interesting. And that's where I think that rheumatologists have so much to add to this dialogue. We, we understand the phenotype. So before Larry asks his question, I want you to know that um, Larry's wife has complained to me because she says he won't take out the garbage and he says it's long COVID. And um, so <laughs> Larry's, that's true. It's long COVID to me. <laughs> that, that, uh, yeah. Uh, she she forces me. Her big expression now is it's good OT. It's good OT. <laughs> I, I can't, I'm, I'm learning to, I can't stand that expression. It's good OT. Everything I honey, will you get me a cup of coffee? Get it yourself. It's good OT. It's good OT. <laughs> it's good. There, there are people that that have or that are suffering from long COVID um, along this spectrum. And, and it is a true spectrum. Some people, you know, have symptoms for a few months. Others it lasts six, nine, twelve, twenty-four months. Some mm -hmm. people function at work. Some people are incapacitated. But at its at its more severe end, they can't take out the garbage, mm -hmm. and some can't even get up to you know take care of themselves. So, you know, we have to be very careful in our language, and be respectful for what people have. Right. And unfortunately, it's created a lot of divisiveness between practitioners and patients and, um, you know, patient advocacy groups who actually were the first ones to shine a light on this. That, that, you know, this didn't come from the NIH, hey, there's a new disease here. Right. It came from patients saying like, okay, I survived COVID, but I'm not the same person that I was. Yeah. Is it mild, medium, or severe, or, or, or debilitating? So that's where the, that's where the, the, the work to be done is right now. Well, I, I, I've i read a lot, obviously. I read a lot on anything that has to do with COVID. Um, and for the patients in the beginning, especially when you're talking about something like fatigue, the, the, the clinician's um, first response is, well, maybe it's mental. Maybe you need to see a psychiatrist, um, not knowing that it, 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 it it's uh, related to COVID or related to. Um... I have some. I have something to add to that, and I, I want to really interject this. If, if if anybody remembers anything that I say today, you know, um, uh, I don't believe that any disease is mental it, 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 per se. I mean, it, even mental illness is is a is a neuro uh, neurophysiologic disease. But when I I I'm very careful to say that to my patients that the brain and the immune system are a single organ. It's not mind or body. We're all, we're all one thing. 
And indeed, uh, we know from, uh, you know, rheumatologists like Jack and I, we know that patients with fibromyalgia um, have a higher incidence of, of anxiety and depressive disorders. That doesn't mean that they are weak. It doesn't mean that they're making it up. It doesn't mean that it's all in their head. It probably is a neurophysiologic cofactor mm-hmm. that makes them develop sleep disorders, pain, fatigue, neurocognitive disorders. And I think we're just starting to unravel that. So, you know, I don't want to talk to the people that it's all in the body, and I don't want to talk to people that it's all in your head. Um, it's all, uh, uh, you know, involved in one thing. And I, I guarantee you, at the end of the day, and it may be, you know, some years from now, we're going to learn more about uh, suffering in chronic illness than we've ever learned before. Just listening to these scientists talk about this candidly is is very refreshing to me. I, I the uh, I, I I talked the last episode we had about I, I tell a story of uh, you know when, when I had first come home um, and I was uh, you know given this miracle Larry tag um, there was like a pressure on me to uh, to to live. In, in my own head, that was like, well, if I die, what kind of miracle is that? You know, so there was like this, this stress of, um, so what, how it manifested itself as I was getting depressed. Um, the, uh, and so I, I told Jack that, you know, I called, and this was, this was early 2021, right? So um, I was calling psychologist, <laughs> and uh, you know, everybody was so backed up. It was COVID that I, I'd call in January and they, you know, I'd say, I think I have suicide ideation. And uh, they would <laughs> say, All right, we can we can see you in May. And, you know, I said, what, 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 you're not listening to me. <laughs> you're not listening to me. In my case, Len, in my case, I don't, because of what I went through and because of my age, when something happens to me, and I'm very fortunate because I don't, I don't have any lung issues, which is mind-boggling. There's a there's a huge article in the Times today, um, a three-page article about uh, examining, taking 3D images of the lungs of COVID patients and seeing how much damage it does. So that I I have physical problems, um, and I have, uh, you know, I. I for lack of a better word, I have uh, um, mental issues. I do think I have a certain amount of PTSD. I, you know, right? You first of all, you're you're a man for sharing this, uh, and I'm 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 really blown away that you're you're so reflective on this and 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 what was going through your head after this. And I, I want to be uh, I want to just clarify one thing for people that maybe listening to this your story is not unique and your trauma uh, for for what you went through with your acute and critical illness uh, that is something that is not new and before covid patients who spent time in the icu and you know dangling over a ventilator or this or that or the other thing come out of this and really require tremendous psychological support to regain their 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 agency and 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 to live their lives again 
And I can, you know, if you're half as robust as you look, you know, I think that you you you've done an incredible job with that. Um, and and I I think we understand that to a certain degree. The the long COVID part that is the even scarier, and and you can tell me what you think of this, are people who were healthy, were not as old as us guys, um, who have a relatively mild to moderate case of COVID, you know, miss a few days of work, kind of this, and then, you know, something hits the fan in the 30 to 60 to 90 days afterwards, and they just not only are not getting better, but they're developing new symptoms that have have progressed. And this is something that was far less well appreciated mm-hmm. in medicine in general. Like what, how could that be? You got over your thing now, you know, you can't move and you get up and your heart's palpitating and you have, you know, uh, pain and breathlessness and you don't have all that scarring in your lungs uh, like these guys in the unit. So this is a, uh, there's a big umbrella here when we say long COVID. Mm-hmm. I know. It's a, and that's my point in the beginning is that, it, you know, it's, it's baffling because there's so many different angles you can look at it. In, in my case, just in terms of, um, I, I, I was called from Mount Sinai maybe eight months after I was home. And uh, I was called by a researcher there that wanted me to be part of this uh, this research group of long-term COVID. Or, or, um, but when I told them who I was and what I went through, um, I was rejected from the study because uh, I would throw off I would throw off all their all their data. I was, you're in a special group. People that recover <laughs> from critical illness, you 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 get your medal right up front. So, um, uh, but so it, it is no less serious. Unfortunately, that's getting less common now, as the variants have become somewhat less pathogenic. As the number of people in the community are vaccinated uh, from that severe form. Mm. But this after mild illness thing, that is still inexplicable. Yeah. And, um, you know, really complicated. And that's where the, the hard work is going in right now. So it, mm. it's keeping keeping me on my toes. See, I have, my, I have atrophy in both hands. And I have, a, a, how I describe it is from the wrist down, it's like they're asleep. Uh, I've lost the fine motor. People in that type of unit that's post ICU neuropathic syndromes. See, but they can't tell me if it's neurological or it's just atrophy from the coma, from lying on my back and being prone three times oh. a day. Exactly. You know, Jesper was in the unit for three months and, you know, he, he lost, he still has a foot drop. Yes. Well, I, I have a toe drop. I had a severe foot drop. The whole thing was dropped. Now my foot is okay, except the big toe is completely dropped. It's very weird. And you got your breathing and you got your sense of humor. Well, that's another thing though, Len, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not even allowed to complain. You know, I mean, it's it's a strange thing, but you know what you just said. I I, I go every day eternally grateful, but uh, 
Larry, you since it's three years since, and you have routine doctor visits and whatnot. What's come mm-hmm. up in in your mind in the last year or so when you hear about this long COVID that makes you worry that maybe you're going to have, besides the things you already mentioned, that you um, are there other things that you worry about? Well, you have to remember, Jack. I'm also a very social guy, so I also talk to people, and I've sort of become this receptacle for people's near death experiences and. Uh, and long-term hospital stays and ventilations. And uh, um, so I hear so much stuff. And recently I've been hearing a lot of this long COVID that people have been telling me they're, uh, you know, I had it. And, uh, you know, and how come you, how come you don't have this? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, you know, the, uh, um, but I, yours is real. Yours is real. I'm not, you know, um, so I, I find that this this topic of long COVID is coming up more. And it's three years later, Jack. It's three yeah. years. And it's so, a Lenny, you know. there's um there's data out there about um long COVID being less than people who are vaccinated. Um there's a lot of scientific data about the true biologic and immunologic effects of long COVID patients that really substantiate the existence of the syndrome. Um what else? Can can you being at this meeting that you're at? What what else is encouraging um, about the scientific nature of this? Well, the, the four leading theories uh, of of this are based upon hard data. We we just don't know how to connect the dots. Are the persistence of the virus itself, which you can two years later pull it out of a, a mucosal biopsy of the rectosigmoid area in a lot of people. Um, whether that's a live virus or just viral remnants is unknown. So persistent viral infection, um, hypothesis number one. Um, dysbiosis um, with persistent microbiome changes at 18 to 24 months and reactivation of latent viruses, CMV, EBV. How is that? How does that you know, weave into this? Um, end organ involvement. Uh, Bucket number three, uh, presence of these amyloid-like microclots that can be found in uh, 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 peripheral blood, muscle biopsies, um, bits of amyloid uh, from patients who are have, uh, with long COVID, which are inexplicable, mostly along vascular tissues. Um, uh, uh, central sensitization, glial activation, so end organ involvement. And then the fourth one is ardelia, and that is a persistent um, low-grade inflammation, not a lot, but it's low-grade inflammation, and auto uh, uh, auto reactivity. With these broad uh, tests, uh, people after COVID churn out autoantibodies, and whether they're driving the bus or riding in the bus is unknown, but right now, um, I think some of these autoantibodies are are are, are uh, biologically active. I just saw the most interesting abstract of the meeting so far: a passive transfer model taking autoantibodies um, that were identified in long COVID patients, giving them to mice, and then showing that these mice um, have increased pain sensitivity and uh, myocardial. Uh, impairment from the autoantibodies that were harvested from long COVID patients 
reproducible animal model. Mm. Uh, you know, why do patients get POTS after this? Uh, probably antibodies to G-coupled protein receptors. Get get what, Lynn? It's called postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. It's one of the most feared complications of long COVID. Mm. Just start when they stand up for a while, their heart starts racing. We go 200 beats a minute and they just, they can't function, can't get to mm. the bathroom. And mm. this occurs in a small percentage of people and these people are disabled. Mm. It's in a in a cl clinic that caters to these type of patients, two-year wait. Hmm. Well, how about I, how do you even treat it, Lynn? Is there is there any treatment now? Is it what well, are they trying? A lot of symptomatic treatment for that, but now there's a there there's a a number of uh, experimental studies going on. I'm I'm very excited about something Jack knows about uh, FCRN inhibitors. Uh, I think this is the this is one of the most exciting things in immunology right now. It's a, a little aside to the rheumatologist who might be listening to this. And um, <laughs> uh, we're very interested in in this. A lot of talk right here at this meeting. On it. But we're still at the stages of understanding it. And that's probably the first big mountain we've got to climb, right? Really, truly understanding this, which then... The immunology guys need to talk to the guys who are clinically curating these patients. Right. right now, it's just like, oh, yeah, we have long COVID. Well, tell me about those people. Well, they have long COVID. They have persistent symptoms. Which ones? How bad is it? What's their quality of life? You know, I want to know all this stuff. And we said, well, you know, so now those phenotypes are being defined. And uh, it, it, it's this, this is the most exciting meeting I've been to in years. So, Len, can I ask you a question? This is a, all right, this, this is going to sound weird. Right. Uh -oh. But uh -oh. it's just something something I thought about like a long time ago. And the children knowing, in bed. Knowing what I went through and knowing what I was told, knowing what um what happened to me medically. And uh, you know, I I do say that I, I'm the premier expert in the country of the extent of damage that this virus can do to the human body. Um the uh I I believe I I can talk about that um ad nauseum. But I was always amazed, and I mean, this is not ego, but wouldn't somebody want to look at my blood and see, like, what? Like people ask me that all the time in the beginning, like, have they taken your blood? Why aren't they sticking your blood? And I, I, is that is that something in the movies, or is that? Or is that you know, you um, know, but people yeah. ask me that. It's the only reason I bring it up is that people. The NIH recovery trial has now biobanked. King, that's what we call storing blood on 15,000 people. So, I mean, that, that's a, there's a, they're, they're collecting a lot of blood. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're a special guy. I don't know. Larry, <laughs> what, what, what you talked about, you, you talked about the brain and the immune system being together. And, you know, I, I don't know if you know my story, but I was very lucid in the coma and uh, went, went to very, deep places and uh and one of it was um I, I i built an incredible relationship in the coma with my immune system i was talking to it i was like kick some ass i was like you know i was like you know, do your thing don't let this thing like, you know, I was like, and so study i've done studies on mindfulness uh, uh, mindful practices and regulating gene expression. 
So, <laughs> you know, maybe you should put it in a can. <laughs> well, you know, I just had hernia surgery and I healed up so quickly. My doctor said, uh, my God, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that was quick. I said, I, I, I'm not going to kick ass immune system. I said, these guys, I don't know what they're doing, but I can't Well, Lenny, I want to thank you for um, shedding some light on this new problem and going to be a long-term problem. Um, I think it's been really helpful for us and certainly for our audience. I want to let the audience know that in the early days of my starting my uh, website and podcast, I always called upon Lenny to help me and and Lenny's, um, besides being a master scientist and a great fellow, he's an enophile, a real wine <laughs> aficionado. He used to write blogs for me about called wine and the rheumatologist. Like we need an excuse. People want it back. Right. They do. They do. So in your travels, even to Santa Fe, can you make us a wine recommendation as you leave? Well, when I'm, when I'm done with this meeting, I definitely will. Okay. I, have, I had to only drink margaritas last night, so okay. I'm hey. big on Malbec, Lenny. I'm big on Malbec. I love Malbec. All right, Lenny, I'm, bless you. I'm, Thanks so much, Jack. Can I, I can I thank Lenny? Lenny, yeah. thank you. Uh, it's an honor to meet you, and uh, my privilege, man. I've heard so much about you, um, and I heard so much about you and what you do. You know, I, I, I yeah, keep doing what you do. Um, it's vitally important, and you are a, a prince among men. You know, hey, yeah. thanks, man. I got, I'm, I'm feeling off right now. All right, bye. What do you say? I'm what off right now?